Well, for the last month, starting on October the 3rd, we have been moving through with each Sunday through the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. I don't remember another month that's quite like this, where each Sunday it's just the next section, uh, all within the same chapter. So we've just been through this whole chapter only omitting one little piece. And I highly recommend going back and just reading all of chapter 10 of the Gospel of Mark. And the main reason I say that is when you look at it going back to October the 3rd, and you'll remember that's the Sunday when the Pharisees approached Jesus, right? And they said, is it lawful to get divorced or not? And St. Mark tells us they were saying this to test him. So you get that type of approach. They're coming to put him to the test. And then the next weekend, that's when I was up in Illinois at my old home parish, uh, it's one of my favorite gospel accounts of them all. When the rich man came up to Jesus, you know, ran up to him and said, good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And at that point, after they go through the commandments and the man's been keeping them since his youth, it's one of my favorite lines in all of sacred scripture. St. Mark is the only one of the evangelists that tells us this. It says, and Jesus looking at him loved him. It's so great. And I got to tell you, just as an aside, that Sunday at my home parish, the deacon was preaching that weekend, and it was killing me because I wanted to get up there and talk about it because I love that gospel so much. So, you know, like the rich man is there. He's, he's there. He called him good teacher. You know, he's all these things he's done. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Remember what he said, go sell what you have, you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. And what does the guy do? His countenance fell, and he went away sad because he had great possessions. Now, last week, and so we got the Pharisees and the rich man. Last week, we got good old James and John, right? Who, when it comes to approaching Jesus, I think did the worst so far in chapter 10. You know, there they are, part of the inner circle. In the last chapter, chapter 9 of the Gospel of Mark, James and John, along with Peter, got to go up the mountain with Jesus, see him transfigured, hearing God from on high saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. What did James and John do? They come up and say, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And notice, they drop the phrase good. They just jump right in there with teacher, right? They're in the inner circle, and they don't really seem to get it. And when Jesus says to them, what would you like me to do for you? It's not about anything that helps anybody else out. We want you, when you sit in your glory, to sit at your right and your left. Basically, we want the power too. And of course, the other apostles around them, the other ten, become indignant, right? They're not really happy that these two are trying to get ahead because they didn't think of it first, okay? So you've got these three different examples of how to approach Jesus, none of them very good, putting him to the test, running up and like noticing like all the gifts but failing to look at the gift giver, the one who looks at him and loves him. And then last week, they're right there with him all the time and still, it's like, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you, totally taking him for granted. Today, we get the good example of how to approach our Lord. And notice, it comes from a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road, right? Bartimaeus, who, in the midst of obstacles, both internal his own poverty and blindness, and external. And notice who it is who tells him to be quiet, to be silent, or throw in there whatever like strong way of telling people to stop talking you would like. Notice who it is, 
the disciples and the crowd following Jesus. Not exactly a banner move for the early church, right? There's this guy, and they have seen Jesus cure blind people, and what do they do? Be quiet. Leave him alone, right? But what does Bartimaeus do? He calls out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. Doing better than just putting him to the test. Not even just calling him good teacher, not just kind of seeing what we can get out of this. Not taking him for granted, but calling out with reverence and love, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. What does this show us? When you think about the ways that Jesus is approached, right? Put to the test by the learned class, the Pharisees. They're the theologians of the day, right? Studying all the time, but just putting him to the test. Then you've got the rich man who's coming. He's all about the possessions. He's looking at love incarnate, who's looking back at him in love, and he still goes away sad. Doesn't understand the deeper meaning of things. Doesn't understand how good he has it because he's so tied up with his stuff and how he appears to everybody else. Then you get the ones who want power and prestige and take Jesus for granted. Today, with the blind man, he shows us this fact, my friends. To come into the doors of this church, to approach Christ, you don't have to have it all together, right? You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be rich. You don't even have to be in like the inner circle of like the holy crew who's here all the time. What do you have to be? Quite frankly, what we all really are, blind beggars, right? We all need our Lord's help. None of us knows exactly what's coming next. On a certain level, we're all blind, right? And yet, look at what Bartimaeus is doing, calling out to Christ. And that's what we have to do as well. And you know by looking at this, this is so much more than just a physical healing. It is that. Bartimaeus can then see. He's then walking, right? But this is deeper, and you can tell because Bartimaeus is even benefiting from this right now. He's not really using the eyes that much anymore. He did die, but he can see our Lord. And notice what happens when Jesus cures him. He says to him, go your way, your faith has saved you. Immediately he received his sight and followed him on the way. After this, Bartimaeus' way becomes the way of following Christ. All of a sudden, it's not about, you know, where he is, how he's the learned class like the Pharisees, putting the test. He's not rich. He's not part of the inner circle. He is now a disciple of Christ. And what this means for us, my friends, is that all of us are called into the same thing. You may not know all sorts of things in theology. You may not feel like part of the inner circle. You might not be rich, but you are called in the same way as Bartimaeus to come to our Lord to reach out to him, to call to him, Master, I want to see. And to recognize that we need that help, to call out to him all the time, is so important. And I'll tell you, I hear all the time from different people, like, Father, I just, you know, I don't really like to pray because my mind wanders, I'm not really focused. You know, there's people who are better praying than me. Guess what? None of us focus very well, right? We're not robots. We don't come in here and have like laser-like focus up onto the altar. When you come in here, you're going to be thinking about other things from time to time, right? That's part of being human. And the fact of the matter is, our Lord loves us. 
He wants you to bring those things to him. Put it in relation to other relationships, right? Now, I got to go up and spend time with my family. You knew I'd bring my niece and nephews into it. It's what I do, right? So if they're spending time with me, and little seven-year-old David seems to be a little bit distracted, he's looking at other things, I'm not going to go, you get out of here. I don't want to spend time with you if you're not focused on me, right? It just doesn't happen that way, right? It's the same thing with our Lord. When we come to him and we bring all the different things that we have going in on our life, the obstacles that are personal and exterior, he wants to hear about them. He wants us to ask him, Master, I want to see. How does this fit into my life? How do I turn my way into your way? Following you, calling out to him is so important. And we all need to do it. We all need in our blindness, in our poverty, to call out to the one who loves us. And the thing I would say too, notice like I said, about the church, you know, the disciples in the crowd around Christ. At first, they botch it, right? As Bartimaeus is calling out, they tell him to be quiet. Just like last week, we had James and John. Not exactly great examples last week. But our Lord doesn't give up on them. James eventually becomes the first apostle to die a martyr's death. John goes on to write the gospel under his name and the book of Revelation and three different letters in the New Testament. He does a lot of things. Our Lord doesn't give up on the church here either. They start off messing up and then Jesus doesn't say, all right, you, you morons, get out of here. I'm going to go to Bartimaeus myself. No, he says, call him. He still uses the church. They start to get it. Take courage, get up, Jesus is calling you. If you look at the history of the church through the years, the same things happen. Sometimes we're doing great, sometimes we're really not. But nevertheless, in good times and in bad, in peaceful times and rocky times, what do we have to do? We have to be like Bartimaeus. We have to keep calling out to our Lord, asking him for that grace to be able to see to keep being reverent and loving him, not to take him for granted, not to put him to the test, but to show in that love that we trust him. And here's the incredible thing too. As Bartimaeus does that, he gives them this good example, right? He starts following him on the way. My friends, we're all part of the body of Christ. We're all part of the church. We are called to love our Lord and to be with him. Do we already have it all figured out? No. But that's okay. It keeps going with time. If you notice, if you look back on this whole 10th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, what's the common denominator? All of these people are approaching him. Yeah, they're not doing it very good most of the time until Bartimaeus. The common denominator is Christ. He's present through it all. He's able to sympathize with our weakness. He's in the midst of all of this with us. The big important thing is we keep calling out to him. To be like Bartimaeus, regardless of whatever the obstacle is, whether it's our own internal one, blindness and poverty, whether it's external, being annoyed or disappointed or whatever else by the church and the world around us, the common denominator is that God himself stays in our midst. We've got to reach out and talk to him. Don't worry if you don't already have it all put together. You're not a theologian. You're not rich. You know, you're not in the inner circle. Fine. It's okay. Ultimately, what our Lord wants to do is to look at you and to love you and to have your way become his way. And the more that you do that, the more that you're like Bartimaeus, then right now, all of us have the chance to keep 
making the church of our age one that is in love with Christ who's in love with us. Notice that Bartimaeus follows on the way and has an influence on those around him and even has an influence on us today. Let's ask for that grace to be like him, to be persistent, to call out with that reverent love every single day, Master, I want to see. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.